This episode is sponsored by Code Chrysalis, Tokyo's number one coding bootcamp. See what a Code Chrysalis education can do for your future. Change your life and learn how to code. Welcome to another episode of Tokyo Speaks. I am your host, Cliff. If you're new to the podcast, uh, this Tokyo Speaks is a podcast that features a diverse and inspiring international community here in Tokyo. Uh, I've been doing this for about three years now, uh, formerly known as uh, Raw Urban Mobile Podcasts, and then um, in 2020, let's say, yeah, spring of 2020, I rebranded the podcast to Tokyo Speaks. And now, uh, so, you know, what I do now is I host some episodes by myself, but I also have guest hosts, and I have a guest host today. It's been a while since I've had a guest host on the show, and um, I will let her introduce herself. Hello. Uh, Thank you for having me today. I appreciate that. It's going to be a pretty fun experience. Uh, My name is Sarilyn, and uh, I'm an American who has been living in Tokyo for about just shy of 10 years, and uh, originally from the northwestern Mississippi sort of Memphis area, and... uh, See, I've lived in Tokyo, New York City, LA, and Memphis, and um, I've done a plethora of, of careers. Uh, I've gone through being a sommelier and a casting director and a talent manager, um, a public speaker, and now I'm working for the Olympics, helping to install the electrical infrastructure to prepare them uh, for the uh, games. Uh, but none of that is what defines me. The thing that I love is space. But we're not here to talk about me. I'll tell you guys about <laughs> space later. Um, we have some some pretty cool guests here with oh, us. Oh, we today, have right? some awesome guests. Some pretty cool people here. Yes. I would. Uh, shall we have them introduce themselves? Yes. Before that, though, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you here, Sarahlyn. Uh, you know, if you've been following the show, uh, Sarahlyn was featured on episode was it 63 believe so, yes. Yes. So uh, please go check that out because Sarah Lynn's an awesome, cool person. She's pretty mm-hmm. smart, too. <laughs> pretty, pretty I don't know smart. about that part, but thank yeah. you for the kind introduction. Yeah, it was I was, uh, it was really fun to have the privilege to be on this show before, and I'm super happy to be back in here um, on the other end. Uh, yeah, you know, you. I was, I think I learned so much about you during that episode, and then like afterwards, I kept learning more and more, and I was just like, wow. It's so much to Sarah. <laughs> yeah, we we need a part two. That's what that's that's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> you let me know when. <laughs> All right. So yes, uh, I have two featured guests today, and I'm gonna let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Yuki Nakao. I'm Japanese from Tokyo. I grew up a little bit in Hong Kong, um, and then after that in Japan. I am a co-founder of uh, an organization called Women Powered International, first started at University of Tokyo, to create a safe space for women and to just gather, talk about um, social political issues, and also as a platform for you know their self-realization. We wanted to be a resources to them. And yeah, um, I 
during the day, I, I work as a consultant、um, after I graduate from grad school at University of Tokyo. And in the evening on weekends, I'm a feminist activist. And I'm here with Mahi, who's also a member of Women Powered International. Yeah, thanks, Ligiguki. So, hello, everyone. I am Mahi Patki. I was born in India, Pune, but then I've been living in Japan, Tokyo, for the past 12 years. So, I've actually spent most of my life in Japan. And I'm currently studying environmental science at the University of Tokyo. And just, I think, over a year ago, I discovered my interest in gender equality. And I'm really glad to be working with Women Empowered International. So, looking forward to the podcast. Thank you, ladies,、uh, and welcome to the podcast.、Uh, you, actually, I had, I, had, I had a few other ladies on the podcast not too long ago from Waseda, and they were both、uh, environmental.、Uh, Specialists, or they, they studied environmental issues. Yeah, welcome everybody again, once again.、Um, all right, so ladies,、uh, tell me what Women Empowered International is all about and like, what's the mission?、Um, so, Women Empowered International is a membership organization of diverse young women,、um, actually from all over the world.、Um, The members are mostly expats and international students、uh, who are mostly based in Tokyo.、Um, and many of them are affiliated with the University of Tokyo somehow. They are either current students or graduates or faculty members.、Um, but actually, we have members from other universities. And、um, our mission is yeah, to create, you know, eventually to contribute to society where women feel unhindered. To show their own capability. And we're trying to A, empower women and, and you know, help them gain the confidence or just know, just discover the, the capability that they already have. But also、um, through social advocacy, try to like eliminate some obstacles one by one so that no one's stopping them from showing, you know, how wonderful they are.、Um, and so we have these three pillars of, of activities、uh, one is community building. Which is creating a, trying to create like a tight knit community of women helping each other. The second is capacity building. So we try to provide like mentorship opportunities or discussion around like different careers and different industries. And then third is social advocacy, where we、um, offer different kinds of、um, talks on social issues, provide some maybe intellectual、um, tools for them to have a conversation with their peers about gender issues in Japan. Yeah. Great, great.、Um, yeah.、Um, so, like, was there some type of catalyst to get this group going? Like, what,、mm. what started it?、Mm. So, the organization started in January 2019.、Um, I started with, well,、um, started, the organization was started by four women. We were all,、um, you know, colleagues at the Graduate School of Public Policy at the University of Tokyo. All having international backgrounds. So I grew up in Japan, but I was just, I just came back. I just had come back from the US, studying in the US. And then other three members、um, one was American, have American、um, educational background, another is、um, Kyrgyz, and another is a Japanese, but she went to American school and then again studied in the US. And just entering the space of the University of Tokyo, we just saw a serious lack of. Women's presence in the、mm. beginning, you all、mm. know that yeah, yeah. only less than 20% of the student body are、yeah. women. And, and,、mm. and in, when it comes to faculty or professors, it's, it's even worse. So,、um, even though we were all studying public policy, and public policy affects every single 
person, including uh, international right individuals, not just Japanese people, but like women, men, people with disability, uh, you know, foreigners. Um, we just didn't really see. We just really didn't see ourselves reflected in the curriculum that being taught. Like we didn't really see ourselves present in like the theories or the practices that been told in the classroom. So, okay, maybe this is an issue. And I think we it just started off with like a like a lunchtime conversation, just sort of like complaining about like, oh, you know, we only have one woman professor in this whole like graduate school. And <laughs> then um, I mean, yeah, like you know, if we're gonna just talk about this over. Our lunch. Maybe we can do. We can just use that time and energy for something else, and like to create a more positive impact in the community. So, because we were sure that other women also felt the same. Like, yeah, maybe like a little bit of discomfort um, to the fact that they just they cannot see themselves mm. in what is told as like, oh, you know, this is Japan. This is public policy. Like, like where am I in this whole picture? Mm. So yeah, that's that's when that's how it started, you know. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really, uh, yeah. I mean that 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 would make you start something, right? You mm, know, if you mm. don't see yourself. Yeah, but but we were lucky that we had each other. It's it's you, you know we the founders sort of like look back on the time that we started and we we're like, yeah, we didn't do it if we were alone. It's really important that we had a community that was like we had like like minded people just like available. At this, at that moment, so yeah, um, I want to talk a little bit about your members. Uh, so I, I believe a few of your members have been on my podcast already. Um, <laughs> not, not, not including yourself now. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Sarah, Sarah Alab- Alabi. Alabi. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she's what a uh, fashion and uh, cultural journalist yeah. slash photographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and also uh, Jackie Steele. Yep, who is uh, she's our strategic advisor. Strategic advisor, yep. yes, and also uh, vice president of Few Japan. Yes, and she's also CEO, CEO of, of Enjoy uh, Enjoy Diversity Innovation Consulting. Yes. Exactly. So shout out to Jackie. I mm. didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to not give her a shout out on this episode. So, and you know, Few Japan, uh, shout out to them as well. They featured me uh, a few months ago, mm. uh, like a, a virtual brunch thing. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, is there anybody else I'm missing? Oh, I think it's one more person. Um, I Iding. Iding, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Iding from Upper Zin. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. So shout out to Iding because she uh, reached out. I haven't met her yet, but mm. uh, she reached out to me online, and I was featured in the uh, upri- uprising uh, spring zine. So yeah, that was really. It's cool. really impressive that yeah. they're you know the magazine. Uh, yes, the, the zine. You know what they're doing. Yeah, I was thinking it was like over a hundred pages, right? Mm-hmm. I was like really you impressed. Put so much work in it with the yeah. content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Uprising and uh, Iding. Yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know how many members you have in total, but it could be somebody else I, I know. But yeah. yeah, we. I think I I checked the latest stats. We had a little bit over than one hundred. Wow, nice. <laughs> you know, in the past events when I was like invited to talk and introduce we and I was say like, yeah, we are. We have around seventy, <laughs> and then I was corrected. <laughs> by another board member no like we have like over 100 wow that's amazing yeah the the growth of the organization actually 
under COVID, it was really amazing. Um, we usually we used to have all our events offline, face to face, but um, you know, after a month like into COVID, which means like it was in April last year, we just shifted everything online, and we just realized that yeah, there's definitely a benefit on like face to face conversation, especially when we're talking about sensitive issues as like sexual violence and rape and stuff. But again, like online events made us much easier to transcend, you know, just geographical distance and also even time zones and more and more people are just like tuning into our events and memberships also kind of transcended this um, physical distance so that was really amazing that's pretty cool that you guys have been uh, growing and expanding so much but how long has this when did when did this organization begin um about two years ago two years ago yeah okay. it wow. started with like less than 10 people wow <laughs> grew pretty quickly i i yeah and and mahi when when was the time you joined the organization um i think after the echo stories video so like maybe last november last november mm. so yeah you were like covid yeah. No, I don't want to say COVID member. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, during COVID, yeah. new members, yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. Mm. Um, like, what? so Todai or University of Tokyo, uh, famous university, right? Mm. Uh, I think it's ranked number one, last time I checked, in Japan. In Japan. Yeah, in Japan. Not yeah. really. Yeah. Globally. Yeah. Not globally, but yeah. <laughs> Yes, it, it has this prestige. And, you know, I've seen it featured on Japanese TV several times and... Um, and yeah, I heard it's like a, a sausage fest. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's 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 male dominant. Mm. Yeah, male dominant environment. What is life like? What is what is it like to attend this uh, university that's famous in, in Japan? And, and and why did you decide to go to Tokyo University? Right. So okay, if I start with the later question first, mm. um, I I kind of just wanted to stay in Tokyo. Okay. And environmental science was something that was sort of like sparking inside me and I really wanted to study it and and in high school I was studying the sciences. So this program sort of allowed me to explore all sciences and study about environmental science at the same time. So it was really the topic, the course. And being able to stay in Tokyo, which is close to family, that was also a big point. And then coming to what it's like to study at Utokyo. I only attended one semester um, okay. in person. And I'm in the PEAK program, which is sort of the international program. And the gender balance there is a lot better than the rest of the university. Um, so our um, lessons have a lot more um, female students. And we have quite a few um, female professors as well. So I wasn't as like surprised as I thought I would be. Um, but the more the more um, sort of non-peak courses that I attend, then I get to see the sort of the gender imbalances. And right. sometimes when professors are talking, they're like, oh, they use the word he or um, instead of just like they. Right. For, okay. Like in terms of pronouns for describing different um, occupations, for example, like mm. if it's a policymaker, like he would do this kind of like, I'm like, yeah. wait, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so that's what that's I'm great experiencing. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, I think I had a similar experience studying at public policy school. Um, again, our grad school has a pretty, um, I think, balanced, uh, you know, student makeup in, when it comes to gender. Also, we're a really international program. Um, but again, I think the fact that I, you know, I, I said that I didn't really see myself sort of like projected or reflected in the content I learned, which was like ex precisely what Mahi just said, how like the pronouns are he. Um, 
really, uh, you know, the the household type that is just imagined there is like a male breadwinner type of household mm. um, where there are both parents present. Um, and yeah, there are kids who are able to attend school with no problem. Um, so it was just very, um, they made up a very like a stereotypical household, but it's really not a stereotype anymore because there is like a kind of emerging gap in wealth in Japanese society. We have single parents, a household. Um, and so, yeah, that my student life, I didn't really feel this like gender inequality or like being you know um discriminated because of my gender or anything but like the, my classroom experience was like yeah okay this is how um these old norms are reproduced and because we are public policy schools like people come there to you know because they aspire to become bureaucrats in the future right so students who study that go to the ministries and then make the laws <laughs> <laughs> right. And you Tokyo, um, I don't know about the latest statistics, but you took like um students study at U Tokyo come from a relatively wealthy background who have the, you know, families have the financial capability to send them to Juku, which is like, you know, cram right. schools after school, which are which can be as expensive as like private school tuition. Wow. Yeah, and then they send it to Tokyo and, and most of those households like um, usually fathers has much larger income uh, than the mother if if she's working at all. Um, and so you Tokyo as a community is an elite institution that produces the elite that would probably rule, still ruling the Japanese society, but they come from a relatively similar background, which was a little bit threatening to me as an sort of, well, at that point, I wanted to become a diplomat, and that's why I entered the school. But Right. It's interesting that you say that, though, because, like, I keep wondering. I, I see mm. lots of young people graduating and heading mm. into the government, and I see, you know, each year there's there's more and more new young people heading into the government, and yet the government as a whole still seems to have such an archaic viewpoint, such a such an old-style way of thinking about, how, you know, social issues and going about doing things. And I kept wondering to myself, mm. like, how, how with so many young people going in, how is it still like that? But as you said, the structure and the, the headspace of the place that they graduate from, mm. you know, that's the headspace that they're they're given and it's just reinforced and then they're put into the, the ministries with that headspace in place. And so that's, I guess that's something I've been curious about um, all and, this and the, time. And the people from ministries come teach us. So it's like a cycle. And yeah, no, but to be fair, um, the gender balance in ministries are actually improving. Year okay. year. Like, that's you good know, to hear. slower than you would want to expect. But Okay. Yeah, yeah I think I, I, I read... Um, just a little cool, not I want to say cool stat, interesting stat. It's 15 of Japan's 62 prime ministers attended uh, Tokyo. Mm, so, mm, yeah. Mm. Yep. I thought that was like, okay. And some, I think some astronauts as well. Five astronauts. Five <laughs> astronauts. Japanese astronauts. Oh, you, yeah, you, I think, not, no, no, I was, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was drinking a sip of water. Yeah, the <laughs> University of Tokyo has long had um, a relationship with JAXA, which is the, uh, oh, the really? Japanese Space Association. Yeah, they, um, there was a, a point at which um, some aspects that are currently JAXA now uh, mm. used to be parts of departments of the, the University of Tokyo and which then became a separate governmental agency, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe don't quote me on that, but mm. <laughs> as I was doing some research about Japanese rockets, because... 
I'm a dork. Uh, I, I did come across <laughs> some information that seemed to be. I remember seeing a lot of things that were like formerly known as University of Tokyo Department something something. And oh, okay. um, so, yeah, I believe that is the case. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, you know, yes, interesting to learn about life there, and and you know, just because I you know, I've never really experienced it. I've never really talked to anybody that that went to that school. So same, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, moving along. Um, Women uh, Empowered International, you focus on empowering women, obviously, um, trying to address or, or maybe discuss or build an awareness to issues that women's face, women face in Japan and maybe all over the world as well. Uh, Mahi, I, re- I read an interview. I forgot what, what it was from, but I didn't believe it you said it. It was on the Weant website. Yes, yes. And you said something interesting, and, and I, I just want to read it here. Um, you said, uh, looking back, I think I grew up in a bubble, uh, going from one international community to the other and was oblivious to gender equality. Perhaps that was just because it is so deeply institutionalized that people no longer realize that we have a huge gender disparity. And I thought that was a really interesting, um, point you made. So I, I want to ask everyone, when did your awareness come, come about, about gender issues uh gender parity issues yeah i mean i was just discussing about this with yuki earlier Mm. and um when i was in high school i had i did i did this project where we had to pick one of the sdgs and Mm -hmm. then do something about it in our community and it was between responsible consumption and production and gender equality and at that point i thought well well my school it's like gender equality is great here i i don't i don't see anything that we could do that would be actually impactful and so we picked the responsible consumption and production. We did like this whole thing about plastic. Mm. But looking back at that, I felt like I thought, wow, how could I think that there was nothing I could change and do to improve in my community? That's why I thought that I was very ignorant about the gender issues that were surrounding me, because I guess I, I can't use it as an excuse that I was in an international community. Mm. But I thought everything was fine. Mm. I thought everything was fine until... I came to university, attending a lot more lectures and just going to more events and talking to other people my age and learning from them that actually there's a there's a lot that needs to be changed. And now I think my eyes are a little bit more open. I'm always looking out for, okay, why why is this like this? Why is why is this the way it is? Because mm-hmm. um I think in the same interview I showed the in the, the article about yes. me that um we were given masks from the university and yeah. <laughs> All the girls received floral masks, while all the guys received plain black and white masks. And that just really struck me. I was like, wow, this is a very nice thing that our <laughs> university has done for us. But why do I have to wear a f- a flowers on my face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so it just kind of, you know, reminds me that actually mm. there's a lot that needs to be done. And we can't just think that everything's fine because we live in Tokyo. Yes. Yeah. What about you, Yuki? When did you first really, when did it hit you? When did you feel it? Right. So um, I entered, I think my college education really played an important role in raising awareness about mm. not just gender, but just social justice or injustice in mm-hmm. general. Um, so I did my first undergrad at International Christian University in Mitaka, which is one of the few um, liberal arts school in Japan. And then um, that really sort of founded my intellectual basis or moral basis. Um, I was opened my eyes were open to like various um social issues in Japan. Um 
I started to pick on like very gendered languages on TV and I was I'm still called at home that I'm the gender poli- police because like I was like <laughs> no as a as a as a joke but yeah. first I think um I, I really surprised or scared my family because I became like a different person right. um but now my family sort of like self-censor their language like oh if i said this like yuki will be angry because like, <laughs> it's sexist but i think that's good like you know yeah i, I influence i change you're raising awareness within their own minds yeah even yeah. if you're not changing it you're making them think about it yeah and, that's and, a big and step now forward. now they now they pick up on those like gendered languages themselves so that's really good and then um (laughs) um my my second undergrad was um at amherst college in massachusetts that was like an even more stimulating experience but the thing is that both at icu and at amherst i was really privileged in a sense that everyone around me was more politicized more vocal more anti-racist anti-sexist in a way that i felt that I don't really need to be vocal because others are, you know, doing a much greater job than, you know, myself. Um, Then when I came back to Japan and entered or resumed my study at the University of Tokyo, I just felt that I was the only one Mm. or like no one's no one's really expressing this discomfort or just like being anti any isms so Mm, i was like oh if i don't do it if i don't speak up like no one's gonna nothing will ever change nothing's gonna change so that that's when i think i have been feminist since i entered college but i became more vocal or i i I thought i had to be vocal after i came back from the the u.s interesting and uh sarah how about yourself yeah well my my route to coming to this understanding and having my eyes opened was a bit more unconventional than what the path I think a lot of women have. Um, I when I transitioned from male to female, I, you know, there's a point where things are still uh, foggy and weird in the middle. But mm. once uh, I was being generally accepted as female in public spaces, I quickly began to notice a, a lot, whole lot of things that uh, suddenly weren't very fair. Mm. Um, and and man, you know, like I don't have the depth of experiences that uh, cis women tend to have. Um, but I think that um, where it, it was really interesting for me is that I was able to experience the contrast in such a strong way. Uh, you know, I'd been treated a certain way my whole life uh, and then briefly uh, uh, a different way. And then and then when I settled into uh, into myself and, and, you know, had more or less widespread acceptance socially um, and recognition as a woman, I then started feeling a whole lot of things that were very frustrating. Mm. Um, I mean, men talking over me uh, for no reason whatsoever. I mean, I used to talk. Men would wait until I finished, and then they would talk. And uh, then I would be saying something, and they would just talk right on top of me. Or I would tell them something I know about, uh, something that I'm pretty well-versed in, something I've studied deeply. And they would tell me uh, ineloquently and incorrectly why I was wrong frequently. Um, Those kinds of things, my ideas were taken less seriously. you know, I, I did. Um, I started doing a lot of business in Tokyo at some point um, in the talent management business, as well as other creative things. And uh, I don't know, my ideas would just be discarded out of hand rather than considered and decided not to be best. They were just. It was almost like, okay, we're, we're going to pretend to listen to you because we have to, and and then okay, we've done our part. All right, move on. Did do any other men have anything to say? Kind of feeling. I mean, it was never quite so direct as that, but that was the emotional feeling that I had, and. I'm not fabricating that because uh, I didn't have these feelings <laughs> until after my transition. Mm. And, you know, these sort of experiences were corroborated um, by many other cis women and other trans women that I've known. Uh, and, you know, that's that's just the tip of the iceberg with this stuff. Uh, it, it runs much deeper and wider. And um, 
no place is perfect, uh, obviously, but uh, I think Japan specifically has uh, a lot of work to do in this arena, which is what which is what these two amazing human beings are over here trying to do. Yes, and I'm um, you know I've just met them, but I'm so freaking proud of them already. Yes, yes. so and you know for me, um, I can't remember like an exact moment, but I, I I like to point to a course college course I took a while back. I can't remember the the name of the course, but it was basically talking about men and women and comparing, um, you know, norms, gender norms, social norms. And I think um, from that class, my awareness started to um, increase. And I think it's just been a gradual process of understanding um, the issues uh, that face uh, women and um but I think it's also been me actively learning too, right? Um, you know, yeah, I took a course, but then college course, but then what do you do after that? So, you know, it might stick for some people. It might not. It might, you might just learn. You know, we, we learn a lot of things and then we forget about it, right? Right. So for me, it's always been um, keeping that awareness, maintaining that awareness, right? Because if you, you know, the, the way I grew up, I can easily forget it because I go back to, what I know, right? And I'm around all my friends, male friends, and you quickly just go back to, mm. um, I guess, allowing things to be said that's not that's not necessarily right. Um, they're sexist or you know that type of thing. And um, but now I just have this really, I guess, high level of awareness. And and you know, I think it kind of it, it keeps growing. Like I, I've so even I, I look at this podcast as something that's me practicing awareness, um, me um, wanting to feature more women on the podcast. Um, and, um, you know, I've donated to a lot of uh, nonprofit orgs um, that focus on like, you know, menstrual health and um, other women's issues. So it's just it's just a constant thing for me to, I think, wanting to be um, actively learning about these issues. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think I became more versed with actually gendered issues after um, we co-founded WeInt. Um, I think in the beginning, we only had this emotion, mm. not really maybe logical, mm. not really maybe evidence-based claim. It was like just... It's like a feeling of injustice, It's like feeling, right? yeah, yeah, like, oh, we have to do something. So we decided that on that first and then came up with ideas what to do or why we had to do and we would do some research in order to host an event we would do you know we had to learn um you know the issues and you know some of the um executed solutions but not really working um those kind of things so i think the great part of running an organization is like it good it gives me a just the right amount of pressure to keep updating my knowledge mm. and keep learning and, and you know, stay aware. Um, yeah, so it's... Right on. I've mentioned this to a few people. Um, I probably haven't said it on the podcast yet, but uh, I think, you know, Japan is many things to, to many people, right? And um, there's a lot of great things about this country. And <laughs> as I said before, you know, most people come here and, and, and they enjoy the food and, and, and the tourism and, and stuff like that and anime. Um, but I think 
especially like over these, I've been here eight years, I think last three or four years. Um, I think I've learned a lot about Japan from women, mm-hmm. from the experiences of women. Um, you know, talking about like uh, referring to incidents like, um, you know, Kutu, the Kutu movement, um, flower demo. the flower demo, um, which stemmed from some high profile like uh, rape cases. Um, and, you know, these women protesting every month all across Japan and different cities. I, I went to one of the protests in Tokyo. Um, it was it was a humbling experience. It was very, it was sad, but, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's things like that, right? I'm, I'm probably, there's a few other things that have gone on in Japan that I can't think of off the top of my head right now, but. Um, the uh, Tokyo Medical University scandal. Exactly. That, uh, that blew my mind. Yes. That just, I mean, for those of you who, who aren't aware, I mean, it's uh, some reports came out in 2018 that uh, it was, uh, Tokyo Medical University was uh, deliberately lowering the test scores of the entrance exams of the female applicants to keep the uh, ratio uh, higher uh, for men to women. And um, while they were receiving uh, an 80 million yen grant from the government to promote diversity, and you would think that they would, you know, well, you know, be like, you know, okay, we, we really messed up here. Um, we're really sorry about this. We'll fix it right away. But they doubled down. They went back and said, you know, this we have to do this because if we don't, women will become doctors and then they'll just uh, get married and get pregnant and quit and we'll be out of doctors. And like that was their that was their official justification for this. And if that's not the most infuriating th- thing you've ever heard, <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> like it kind of makes you want to scream. Um, yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, so you know the, these these real things that are happening in Japan, you can't deny, right? So, um, I, I've like I said, I've I've learned a lot um, about Japan through through the experiences of women. Um, mm. So it, I, it's a great thing what you ladies are doing. And um, moving on, I, I wanted to talk more about uh, what it is that you do, like your your projects and, and different programs and collaborations. So. Um, yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, one of the recent projects we started um, is a six-part discussion series on menstruation and a woman's health called Period Rediscovered. Yeah, as the title said, like we wanted to relearn what menstruation is. Um, and because one thing is that we wanted to support uh, you know, people who menstruate to, you know, have the accurate knowledge to make informed and empowered choices about their own body. Um, and so we started, we actually started their first session two weeks ago. Um, it was on the science of um, uh, period. We invited a gynecologist, uh, Dr. Yosuke Matsumiya. He was great. He was, yeah, you attended. I, Thank I attended, you so much. I, I attended the virtual. Yes. And, event. you know, Mahi here, um, she she was the, you know, she, she brought up the idea in the beginning that, you know, Mahi wanted to do this series. So what sparked that, Mahi? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, actually, um, as I said earlier, like in high school when I was like okay, yeah, trying right. to do this about like reducing plastic waste, and I was like, okay, I have to do this in my own mm. life because I want to lead by example. Mm. And I started looking around in my own life and I realized all of these like pads that I was using and that's single use and just so much 
waste that it was generating. And so I started looking around um, for what are the sustainable alternatives to this. And I learned about the menstrual cup and I really wanted to use it. But um, I felt it was a bit big leap between pads to menstrual cup. So I started off by using reusable pads. Mm. And then after a, like cloth pads. So after a year of using them, I was getting really frustrated of having to clean them. And it, I just didn't feel like this was going to be what's my thing. Mm. And so I finally bought the menstrual cup last November and I started using it. And it, yeah, it's just made my life so much more comfortable. And wow. from that point, I realized that, okay, I, I know very little about periods. I didn't even know that these alternatives exist. And if um, I don't know about it, that means people around me don't know about it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, w- I was going to say that. I, I'm surprised, you know, and, and, and you know, menstrual health is, is, is one area where I've kind of really been learning a lot because I, I did an episode a while back. Right. Um, and so now I'm like following the hashtag on Instagram, free the period. So I get all this period news and um, it's funny, but um, I, I, I learn a lot through that. And um, so... Yeah, I, I'm just surprised at how many women are not familiar with the cup. Right. And I, I think just I want to add in that, like, you know, I, I can't think of a, a culture that I know of um, offhand that where we're speaking about periods in public and speaking about menstruation is not stigmatized to some exactly. degree or another. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it really shouldn't be because there's nothing stigmatizing about it. Right. It's, it's a bodily function. We don't stigmatize other bodily functions mm-hmm. uh, like that, um, you know, unnecessarily. And it's, it's, it's a part of basic health for um, at least half, if not slightly more than half of the humans on this planet. Exactly. And though I don't menstruate, I think that it's really important that everyone understand what that process involves. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it's about and and you know how how to manage that because it's just it just seems like it should be basic knowledge uh, taught in school like yes. in, in regular public schools yes basic knowledge for everyone exactly. everyone <laughs> exactly it doesn't matter yeah you know. that, that was that's kind of the underlying theme um so yeah so initially we were saying like yeah let's have a conversation about different kinds of period products yeah but then it was like no this is this might be a chance to actually invite more people yeah yeah educate and also educate ourselves and our peers um hopefully you know future fathers mm. <laughs> or you know male partners to understand because um so dr yosuke matsumi was saying like you know very very few actually uh male doctors know about um this like menstruation menstrual health or woman's body um you know, obviously, like more than you know, ordinary people. But sure. as a doctor, yes. um, the medical, the male the medical, the male medical students didn't know about the female anatomy. Oh my god! <laughs> when exactly. he was teaching them, yeah, and and I've heard um some stuff about um you know, <laughs> I had a friend, a male friend, who always believed that menstrual blood was blue, blue? because what? um blue, you know, yes. So um, TV commercials in Japan that promote pads, oh. they in order to demonstrate how much <laughs> liquid the pad can absorb, they use this like black, uh, not black, sorry, blue liquid. Right, right, It's right. like, okay, this is the normal pad. This is our pads. Like, you know, it absorbs so much blue water. <laughs> so they just thought that, oh, you know, menstrual blood is blue. It's like, nothing special happening in my lower <laughs> abdominal area right there to change the color. Um, wow. So, yeah, I was like, okay, wow, this is a, the knowledge level. But the more we actually did research and talked about our advisors, our gyne- you know, the Dr. Yosuke Matsumiya, Magali Matsumiya, Sonia Tsukagoshi, those are amazing advisors to the series. Um, we also learned how little we knew 
about what's happening in our own body. And yeah. I was like, okay, I guess, yeah, we have to talk about a like what what does what is what kind of function does menstruation carry like why do we need to you know why why does a woman have to bleed like once a month mm-hmm. um also you know why why do we get cramps or headaches or just um have crazy appetite <laughs> or um yeah and i think just not just knowing about yourself i think helps us to be kinder to one another yes. and yeah. if we can have more men to join the conversation they would they might become kind, kinder um mm. so yeah. yeah when my intention originally when i reached out to yuki about this mm. was completely about like sustainability and how we can reduce <laughs> yes, our waste yes but after about, talking yeah, to her waste. i learned that i don't know anything about periods like she told me about pcos mm. and pms and uh, if i wasn't experiencing it i thought that it's not really part of what I'm thinking. So mm-hmm. I was like, there's so much more to learn because these things could affect affect yeah. me yes. in the future. That's a great point because when I was reading the, your interview, I was it hit me too. It's like, you know, okay, you're into environmental issues. Well, th- that kind of overlaps, right? Mm-hmm. Menstrual health, environment, you know, cups and, and yeah. products. Right. Yeah. Dispo- anything disposable, anything right? Disposable. Anything disposable becomes yeah. an issue for the environment if yes. not handled properly. And also an issue for women's bodies, you know, exactly. um, pads going inside, you know. Yeah. So... It's a six-part event series, right? You said. It, what are the other uh, events coming up? What's right. So the second the event things? is coming on April eighteenth. Eighteenth. Yeah. Eighteenth. Yeah. We're going to talk about period products, mm-hmm. um, different kinds of you know alternatives, and after that, we're going to talk about um, contraceptives like uh, pills and IUD and how that affects menstruation. So that will be it's monthly. So the the that one will be in in May. And then in June, the episode will be about um, daily habits and nutrition um, diets and that effect on period or PMS. Lifestyle, yeah. Yeah. And then after that is menopause. Menopause. This is a topic that we added after we started the series. So when we talk think about menstruation, we're only thinking about ourselves. Mm. But menopause is something that... I know people who menstruate will go through at a certain point in their life. And I sort of remember myself being not too kind to older women who were going through menopause because I don't understand it. But like, yeah, again, this is about like, I think gaining awareness leads to become kinder to one another Mm. because of the mutual understanding, right? If we're going to go through that menopause in the future, it's good that we know and we just expect what would happen to our own body. But it it helps like to, yeah, just just be more understanding to your your mothers or to your female bosses or, you know, whomever you're like sharing the space with. So Mm. that we added. And initially, it wasn't included because... No, it wasn't included. It yeah. didn't come to our mind. We're all, like, young women who, <laughs> yeah. right. you know... Well, you wouldn't yeah. normally think about it, right? Because right. it's so far distant from actually, where you are. It was actually, yeah, an but... input from our advisors. Yeah, like, like they, yeah. they were speaking about it, and yeah. I realized, actually, I know nothing about this. I know Why are we not about it? Yeah. <laughs> you just hear, like, the random little comments yeah. here and there. And so, yes. wait, so this six-part series on menstruation, um, which is uh, a monthly series, yes. well played. Monthly. Yes. <laughs> Cycle. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um and then the last part is um we will go a little bit away from the kind of the scientific um aspect of um menstruation but we're going to talk about uh stigma, um different like um, you know, appreciation or just perception about period in different cultures. 
Um, cause I think we all know, um, if you live in Japan and have bought like, um, period products at, at Konbini or, or, um, or drugstore, they, they always put in this like brown, brown or black bag. Yeah. bag. And I don't really know what they're trying to do because if, if the stuff, if a person comes out of the drugstore and you see the black bag, it's so obvious right, that they pop you know. the menstrual, <laughs> pro, you know, products, but they still put it in to hide it. So anyways, yeah. yeah. Why why do you have to hide it? Like, right, right, and you shouldn't. And it's, yeah. it's cool that they're being considerate on the one hand, but on the other hand, there shouldn't be, should be no reason for that, mm. right? Like, it's just a regular, I mean, it's just like someone buying toilet paper, right? Right, right. We don't, no we one, don't no one hides toilet paper. It's a bodily or, function. Or, yeah. Every, you know. Diapers. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, mm. you know, anything attached to women has that. That stigma, and that's what shame that's what idea we've got to fight against, yeah. you know. About a month ago, I was in a cafe, and I went to the toilet there, and it was very well equipped with just random things. So there was like earbuds and like toothpicks and like very like weird stuff there. So I was like looking around. I was like, I wonder if they have pads here, and there was this suspicious looking like basket that was completely covered, <laughs> and then I opened it, and there were like pads inside. I'm like. If a woman is in the toilet and she doesn't have a pad, she's going to be stressed out and she's not going to look in this little basket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. 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 Um, was well, there anything else you ladies want to uh, mention um, before we get out of here? Um, maybe one thing just in relation to period rediscovering the fact that Mahi uh, brought it up. So, um I think it really speaks to how Wein tried to uh, run its organization. We really boast in our like horizontal leadership and more bottom up initi- like encouraging bottom up initiatives. Yes. So um, a lot of our events um, and campaigns come from non board members. They they um we always try to advertise our our organization to our own members that you know. The board is here to facilitate and to um, to provide resources, um, you know, human power or like a platform to advertise. So just like come to us with ideas and we'll make that happen. And mm. so um, period, period Rediscovered series is one of them. Um, we have a monthly coffee conversation um, is when uh, we have like a themed uh, conversation online right now. Um, but that, that whole um, series was also an idea of... Um, uh, Lily, uh, she's now a board member, but she was, you know, not a board member uh, back then. And I think um, we were really conscious about how we run the organization from the moment of founding because we sort of linked hierarchy and, um, yeah, like hierarchical leadership with um, patriarchy how male dominant organization are run there's like this commander and others will just like follow um we wanted to explore different kinds of managing a group yet still exercising leadership and and building consensus and um i think we try to stick with how we founded the organization um with the mission of sort of embodying that way of like having a more democratic council having democratic yeah more bottom-up you get that consensus based decision making right. which is, is something that you you, you you see i mean when you 
you know, an, an autocratic form of, of, of governing any size body uh, does not work out well for anyone except for one person, uh, which is the one, it, the leader, right? So I think it's, it's a much better structure, especially for one which is attempting to promote equality and diversity. How are you going to promote equality and diversity when you're handing down orders from on a high? So I think this sort of structure is, is very suiting. So after the, after Mori, Mr. Mori made a comment about like women talking too long. Uh, yes. <laughs> talking too much. Talking too much. There was a hashtag called Wakimainai on Twitter, meaning like people, women don't hesitate. You know, women don't hold back. Um, Because I think women tend to hold back. We have this habit of holding back. It's like all internalized. That Mm. is Wakimairu, right? It's to Mm. hold back. So this hash, like a feminist hashtag, Wakimainai Onna, was just like all over this like feminist Twitters. And like we really liked it and just reminded how people with any relative power over others have the power to or have the influence to make people wakimairu to mm. hold back and i think um just running an organization as a board member i'm always like really conscious about potentially influencing this like non-board or you know member to wakimairu because i'm already in the position of power so like people even even like we believe that we enter as a horizontal organization like if you have a little bit of power than other. You have to be always mindful of what kind of negative influence you can have on, like, I don't know, creative energy or voluntary, mm. you know, just voluntary um, ideas coming up. And um, I think that's something that all men should be aware of and all women managers should be aware of if they're, you know, ruling, if they if they have the power mm. over others. Well, there's a great quote, and it mm. comes from a silly source, and I bet you know what I'm going to shoot for from Spider-Man, but uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that it comes from there, but, um, I mean... You're such a good. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even it's sorry cute. about it's it cute. at this point. Because um, power is influence. In- influence to no, shut people point. up. So... Wow, I had fun. This is this is amazing conversation. This is really stimulating. Inspiring. Inspiring. <laughs> yes. Um, I want to thank all of you for uh joining me on Tokyo Speaks. And um yeah. If you are new, uh you can tune in to the podcast on just Google Tokyo Speaks. Um uh, on iTunes, uh with Google Podcasts, Spotify, Tokyo Speaks. All right. Um, thank you, everyone, once again. Thank any, you. Any last uh, comments? No. Good. Mm. All right. And you—you you told me at the beginning of the show that this is your first time you and you and Mahi meeting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in person. Yeah. In person. In person. Yep. We've wow. been yeah. Right. We've been doing these activities together for like over a year almost. Yeah. yeah. Wow. COVID. Right. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you two have met. Yeah, on thanks. Finally, yeah, thank yeah. you to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. All right, that's it. Uh, see you next episode. Mm-hmm.